is a real guy. And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking, real man, John Wayne. John, John Wayne, there's a, there's a movie that he does where he, he has been around his kids for a while and he has to go get one of them that, that has been kidnapped and, and his sons go, okay, father. And a lot of us are called a lot of different things, right? A lot of us are called and, and we try to represent what it means to be a man. A society allows us and asks us and challenges us to be a lot of different a lot of things other than what Scripture says. But Peter writes that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we know Scripture that Peter was a guy's guy. right? Peter was the guy that's like, you know, I'll never, he talked before, I mean, so we'll look at him from a guy's perspective. Peter talked before he thought. Guys, that's like a virus for most guys. So Peter talked and he went to his Lord and, and Jesus was talking to him one time and, and Peter says, I'll never leave you. Jesus is like, please. Peter's courageous. Peter looks at Jesus in the middle of a storm. He goes, call me and I'll walk on water. And, you know, like most guys, like, hey, the first two steps are awesome, and then you start thinking, and you sink. Peter is a warrior. Man. Takes out his sword and cuts the ear off of, his, of a servant to defend Jesus, and within five hours later, turns his back and, <laughs> and walks away. And I find it unusual that Peter tells us, and I think Peter has the, the best perspective of what it means to be a man. And so we're, we're talking about dads, but, but dads represent manhood. Dads model what it is to be a man to our society, and dads kind of teach us things good and bad about how to to be the person that we're supposed to be. Our society lacks an accurate perspective a lot of times about, about being, being and modeling biblical manhood. And I thought when, when, you know, how we talk about this, I just wanted to just take this and go, what is a real man? The real man John Wayne rides horses? I hope not, because I hate horses. They scare me. Honestly, Taylor children, y'all are out running, riding horses weekly. They're four-legged creatures. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm scared of them. So I've been around a bunch of guys. Right? I spent most of my life in the construction field, and so I've been told what I should be and modeled what I should be. But then I look at this section of Scripture, like what is a real guy? Well, a real man knows who they are. They know their identity. You know, male or female, the easiest way to get sideways in life is to confuse your identity. And a guy will take his identity and go, hey, well, who are you? And I'm a carpenter, cabinet maker, mechanic. I'm a pastor. And we begin to confuse our identity with what we do. 
Right? So we take pride in what we do, but when we, when we root our identity in what we do, what happens when we're laid off? Or what happens when we have to change professions? Or what happens when the very thing that we were good at were replaced by some machine? And so you sit there like, okay, a real man is, is tied to his identity, and who are we? Well, we're chosen. You see, when we understand as people, as people of God, who we are and who we are in Christ, then no matter what happens around us, our extraneous circumstances, all the crazy things that the world brings us is irrelevant because our identity is not tied to those things. Our identity is tied to what Peter writes. Peter writes that you're chosen. Notice that Peter doesn't go, hey, I'm the rock. But he was tasked to build his Savior's church. But where he finds his identity is not in the the task that Jesus gives him, but in the relationship that was established by his Savior. And so because of his relationship, he was able to do these amazing things. But also because of his relationship, he weathered, like all the rest of the disciples did, crazy hard stuff. And he didn't look at the crazy hard stuff that came his way and says, oh God, you hate me. I'm doing something wrong, or, or, or somehow my value is this. Why? Because I'm, I'm chosen. I'm a priest. And, and, and so as not only does, do, does a man know who they are, but they know who they belong to. One of the verses that, one of the, one of the translations of this, it says, God's special possession. God's special belonging. Who do we belong to? As men, as people, as, as, as chosen of God. Guys are notoriously susceptible to doing stupid things. Because we want to belong. From the time we are teenagers all the way through young adulthood we are wired to do hey give an example I used to be talking about camp I I was a a, a camp counselor and then I was over all the problem children of camp for years on end and so I was the guy that if you did something stupid which honestly 99% of the time it was a guy it was a teenage boy that did something. And as a camper, I modeled that. The only time I ever went up to camp was one year. One year I got called into the ministry. One year I got baptized. It's the same year. Called into the ministry, baptized in the Holy Spirit, raided the girls' dorm, caught chicken pox, slept without a thing. So I had that perspective, and now I'm running a camp. And so I go into one one cabin that I'm supposed to go look at and sign off on, and there's a hole in the wall about head high. I'm like, okay, what happened? Nothing. Took me four days to figure out some guy lost a bet, and he bet that he could run his head through a wall. He made halfway. Guys are wired to do those kind of things. Got a great idea. Bury your head in the wall. We'll all love you. You can be one of us. Anybody that partied during high school, remember that. No, drink this. It'll make you feel good. 
But a real man, a real man knows who he belongs to. A real man knows that no matter what he does, he goes back to his identity, and because of his identity, there is a belonging there, and because there's a belonging there, I am not swayed to and fro. I'm not, I'm not conformed to this world and its desires and its, and its wants and its needs and its, its temptations because I belong to him who called me by name. A real man not only knows his identity, and his identity roots his belonging, they also know what they need to do. We get up and we go to work. We take a lot of pride in that. But this same section of scripture that Peter, God's chosen person to to create and to build his church, not only says that you are a chosen people, not only says that you belong to him, but because you are chosen and because you belong to him, you are to declare the praises of him. So many times we as guys, we live our faith very secretively. We come here on a Sunday morning and we sit and we might raise one hand, probably not two, but maybe like halfway up. And then we're, we, we read quietly at, at, at home, but when someone asks us about faith, we say, quote, most of us are quiet. I don't want to step in your business. I want to be accepted. I want to belong. But a real man, a real man knows what he's called to do. And what we are about this church is what we always are. We're about connecting the community that you live in with the Christ that we love. And some of you guys have great voices. You just haven't discovered how to use them yet. And so you are called into this community that's amazing. That, that is rich with opportunity that God has entrusted you with. Right? And that's the deal. It's like it's not like God's desperate. Oh, the world's going to fall apart if I don't do something. I need a few good men. It gives you an opportunity because he entrusts in you the ability to be something special to those around you. And the world that I used to swim in, and it's, you know, honestly, carpentry and blue collar works a lot like pastoring. You know, you show up day in, day out, and you do things, and then you surround yourself with people that are just trying to get by. And what I think that pastors need and guys need to have is not only the confidence in who they are, not only the assurance that what they've been called into, but the freedom to be who they are in Christ so that the voice that you have been given by God himself can be spoken. Real men know who they are. Real men know who they belong to. Real men know what they're called to do and they know where they go. <laughs> Over the course of my 50-some-odd years, I've been told to go a lot of different places. Can I get an amen? amen? But what I do know, I do know that I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what kind of confidence that gives a guy? 
You know, when you live in a society and an economy that's so different now than like when my old man grew up, when my pops came up through the ranks in a carpenter, he was in a union. And if you've ever been a part of a union, there's a certain guarantee there. There's pensions, right? There's, a, there's an apprenticeship program where you learn a trade, and, and then once you learn that trade, you can advance or you get cost of living raises, and you work 20 to 30 years, and you've been paying into this pension, and then you retire, and you have this pension. That doesn't exist anymore. It's a rarity for men and women to, to have those kind of things. And so your, your future is always called into question. Your immediate future is, is riddled with tension. It's like, okay, if I lose this, then what? Or what should I do? Or how should I go? Or, or how do I prepare? And if you're a dad with kids in a fluctuating economy, you also know what it's like to wake up going, God, give me work today. Let me be able to pay the bills and operate in this world that's constantly in flux and constantly changing. And like, what do I have to do to do all this? And yet a real man knows no matter what he faces, no matter what he does, he knows eventually that he will be called home. That he will be called into a light where there is no more weeping, there is no more sorrow, there is no more sickness, there is no more disease, that we spend eternity with the Father, and because we get to spend eternity with the Father and the Son, there is a certain confidence that no matter what happens here, we can boldly do what we've been called to do, and we can find confidence in, in who we are in Jesus and who our identity is. So those are real men. There's nobody that's nothing that neither any of us can, can, cannot achieve. And yet, there is a tension for me every Father's Day to talk about dads. Because I know in any audience of this size, there's, there's a half a dozen people that have been hurt by their fathers. There's a half a dozen people or more that, that could tell me stories, and this happened last year, that, that there were stories told, yeah, but you don't know my dad. And so this is what I wanted to end with this morning. For you guys, solidify your identity. Understand your task. Be bold in what you've been called to do and always know that you have a guarantee of coming home. For those of you that have been hurt, I'm going to challenge you with three or four things. First thing is, all dads are human. Unfortunately, sometimes we wish as men that we could wear and be the superheroes that our kids told us about, but, but the fact is, is that that all dads are, are human. Romans tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And... But here's the other side of that. Well, all dads are human. Y'all are too. Sorry. If you picture yourself as a Superman or Wonder Woman, hold on to that. That's a cool thing, but... 
understand that we all live in a frail, broken world and we all fail. And while there are intentional brokenness that happens and violations that happen for the most part, dads are human and we're human and your father is the product of a fallen world. And for some of you, I'm sorry that there was a biological act that happened and nothing more. And then that's not the dad that I was talking about here. I'm sorry for that. But understand that we live in a fallen world. Understand that, that we live in the midst of brokenness. And unfortunately, when we're in the midst of brokenness, we have a tendency to have to endure that in a lot of our lives. We've been invited for some of us to a party that we never asked for or wanted to go to, and yet we find ourselves or as children in the midst of this system that's, that's messed up. And it's like we become adults, and we're like, well, that's not fair. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that it is a result of, of brokenness. Because it's a, a victim of brokenness, then we as believers get to make the choice to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, then you walk around and you perpetuate the pain that you, exi- you, you, you dealt with. If you don't forgive, then you're consumed by that. And so when, the, when a guy with a mic stands up and talks about Father, you, you can't see God in the midst of that. You see brokenness in the midst of that. But if you can forgive, then you're free of the immediate so that you can see the eternal. You can realize that, that the brokenness that you were modeled does not model the God that we know and talk about and profess and believe in and rest in. That is our Father. So we as believers in Jesus Christ all have the same pops. We have Dad. We have the old man. We have the guy that we can call up at 2 o'clock in the morning, know that he's going to pick up the phone and hear us. We have the guy that will walk us to a window and go, hey, I know it's loud, but it's not that scary because I'm there with you. We have a guy that will provide for us. Out of everything that he is, he works for his kids. And that's what his dad says. Out of everything, I'll provide for you according to my riches and glory. I have a th- cattle on a thousand hills, and guess what? They're yours. I, and, and so when we look at our, 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 our earthly father and we critique the brokenness of the father and we we take that as a paradigm of fatherhood and we lose the truth that says as our father does, he stands at the door, at the gate, and he waits for us to come home. And when we come home, no matter how dirty and smelly and stinky we are, he parties because that is the heart of a father. Heart of a father looks at you and, 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 and I'll tell you, he'll, he'll, hey, you still breathing? Walk in when you're sleeping at night. You don't even know he's around. And he'll lift you up. And he'll care for you. And the dad will be proud of who he is in your life. Not what he does, but who he is in your life. And he has a picture of you. God had a wallet. You're there. Or a smartphone. Probably a smartphone now. Not Apple, but smartphone. (laughs) Daniel. So this Father's Day, whatever you've been through as a kid, 
You have a dad that loves you. Whatever you were modeled with as a kid, no matter how healthy or how broken, you have a father. No matter what you bring to the table, you have a dad that loves you and cares for you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So that if you believe in him, you have a future. Never let this earth rob you of the truth of this book. Never let this earth rob you of the assurance of your Father in heaven.